I welcome the debate with Hollywood. Even if it occasionally flares up into what the New York Times yesterday called a war. But debate does not justify distortion. And Emmy is not a license to lie. Who was that? When was that? What show was he talking about? And what was the war? That's how we ended last week's episode. That's right, it was a podcast cliffhanger. In this week's podcast, the second episode of a two-part look back at presidential campaigns and the Emmys, you get all the answers as C-SPAN's The Weekly flashes back to the 1992 presidential campaign. Murphy Brown and the culture war Dan Quayle started. Less than four months ago, in the wake of the Los Angeles riots, I gave a speech on the urban crises and the poverty of values that I thought was gripping America. And because of one sentence in that speech, it is now known as the Murphy Brown speech. I never realized how good that speech was until the Emmy Awards. <laughs> At the end of my remarks, San Francisco, I said, let the national debate on values roar on. I, for one, will join in it. That was Vice President Dan Quayle speaking at the Kansas City Chamber of Commerce, September 2nd, 1992. Later in that speech, he returned to the Emmys. And they don't like it when someone from Huntington with Midwestern values challenges their so-called moral authority. I welcome the debate with Hollywood, even if it occasionally flares up into what the New York Times yesterday called a war. But debate does not justify distortion. And Emmy is not a license to lie. During Sunday night's primetime assault at the Emmy Awards, it was suggested that I had said single mothers and their children are not families. That is simply false. In last week's podcast, we looked at how presidential candidates cited Emmy Award-winning TV shows on the campaign trail. This week, part two, we go in-depth with one of the most famous examples of them all, 1992, Dan Quayle and Murphy Brown. It began on May 19, 1992, when Vice President Dan Quayle said this in a speech in California. It doesn't help matters when primetime TV has Murphy Brown, a character who supposedly epitomizes today's intelligent, highly paid, professional woman, mocking the importance of fathers by bearing a child alone and calling it just another lifestyle choice. That was one sentence in one speech, but Dan Quayle didn't let up. On June 11, 1992, he addressed the National Right to Life Committee. A less favorable reaction, to put it mildly, has come from other quarters, from some of our newsrooms, sitcom studios, and faculty lounges. The cultural elite don't want me to talk about values, but the American people do.
The cultural elite's reaction has been outrage, ridicule, and scorn. And let me say again what I said a few days ago. I wear their scorn as a badge of honor. What was the reaction by his boss, President George H.W. Bush? On May 20th, 1992, the day after Dan Quayle's original Murphy Brown speech, President Bush held a press conference at the White House with Canadian Prime Minister Brian Mulroney. He was bombarded with questions about Murphy Brown. Let's get all everybody give me a Murphy Brown question. I got one answer right here for you. What's your Murphy Brown question? What's the next what's the question? You're getting four different questions. Do you agree? All right, are you ready for the answer? All right, this is the last Murphy Brown question. Maybe. No, well, it's the last Murphy Brown answer, put it that way. No, I, I'm, I believe that uh, children should have the benefit of uh, being born into families with a mother and a father who will give them love and care and attention uh, all their lives. And I spoke on this family point in Notre Dame the other day. Uh, I've talked to Barbara about it a lot. And we both feel strongly that that, that is the, the best environment uh, in which to raise kids. Not always possible, but that's the best environment. And I think it results in uh, um, giving a kid a best, the best shot at the American dream, incidentally. It's a certain discipline, a certain affection. And one of the things that concerns me deeply is the fact that there, there are an awful lot of... Uh, broken families, and so that's really the kind of guidance I would place on that. I'm not going to get into the details of, of a very popular television show. President Bush made another Murphy Brown reference the next day on the campaign trail in Cleveland, Ohio. And the last point I want to make today has nothing to do with Murphy Brown. But it does have to do with something that George Voinovich mentioned. And uh, I'm talking about family values. And I'm going to continue to talk about that. And what was the reaction by President Bush's opponent in 1992, Bill Clinton? On May 30th, 1992, Bill Clinton was in Hollywood speaking at Sony Studios in legendary Los Angeles. And in that regard, I have a special challenge for those of you who are in communications. I think it was ridiculous to try to blame the Los Angeles riots on Murphy Brown. But I do think you cannot get out of the fact that this country and this culture is affected by the daily assaults on our sensitivity of a media that seems to glorify greed and selfishness and violence and the crass manipulation of women and the abuse and neglect of children. And we have to look at ourselves and say we have to try to find more opportunities to make a point while we're making a profit. More television shows. More television shows like the Nickelodeon special in which Magic Johnson was talking to children about AIDS. More television shows which encourage hard work and study like The Cosby Show. The day before that Hollywood speech, Bill Clinton was campaigning in San Francisco. There's a sign back there that says, Murphy Brown for vice president. 
I don't know about that. But I, knew, I do know one thing. It's, highly, it's, it's easy to talk about family values and quite another thing to value families. And Bill Clinton was back in Hollywood on June 1st, 1992. This time, he was the one who brought up Murphy Brown as vice president. We've heard a lot about family values, and the Republicans have given us a lot to laugh about. My co-contender, Jerry Brown, says now he's found Murphy Brown his first lady. I had to give serious uh, consideration to putting Murphy Brown on the ticket. We're all laughing about Murphy Brown. It's a diversion. This is the only nation in America, in the world, that does not have a family policy. We talk about family values. How about valuing families for a change? Another Clinton responded to Dan Quayle, May 29, 1992, delivering the commencement address at Wellesley College. Here's Hillary Clinton. As women today, you do face tough choices. And you know the rules are basically as follows. If you don't get married, you're abnormal. If you get married but don't have children, you're a selfish yuppie. If you get married and have children but then go outside the home to work, you're a bad mother. If you get married and have children but stay home, you've wasted your education. And if you don't get married but have children and work outside the home as a fictional newscaster, you get in trouble with the vice president. Linda Bloodworth Thomason created several popular television shows. She also was nominated for an Emmy Award four times. She and her husband, Harry Thomason, were notable for their friendship with Bill Clinton and the role they played in his campaigns. On May 22, 1992, three days after Dan Quayle's original remarks, Linda Bloodworth Thomason called into C-SPAN's morning program. And joining us by telephone, the executive producer of popular television programs, Evening Shade and Designing Women is Linda Bloodworth Thomason. Ms. Thomason, same question to you. Why has this incident generated so much public comment? Well, Murphy Brown is a very popular television show, and I think she is a, a cultural icon. And um, I think, um, once again, the uh, bush Quayle administration is politicizing uh, this issue for their own gain. Um, the reason they touch a court is because what he said um, is uh, very volatile. I mean, people, uh, most people don't view Murphy Brown in the way that Dan Quayle does, and I think he spoke without really watching the show or being familiar with the character. Murphy Brown was even talked about in a Senate race. That same day, the show came up in the California Senate debate. Here's Democratic candidate Dianne Feinstein. I, I regret the Murphy Brown um, conflagration. I, I think it's rather silly myself when there are so many big problems mm. out there. In 1994, two years after he gave what was called his Murphy Brown speech, Dan Quayle returned to the same podium in San Francisco, the Commonwealth Club of California. Now, given the passage of time, there has been a little bit of change in America. There seems to be a little bit more acceptance of what we talked about two years ago today. First, there was a landmark article in the Atlantic Monthly, a journal that is not terribly well known for its conservative ideology. Its title, which I hope that I can quote without boasting, 
was Dan Quayle was right. Now let me put it in historic perspective for you. This article came out six months after George Bush and I were defeated for re-election. My only question is, where were they when I really needed them? <laughs> Finally, May 19, 1999, exactly seven years to the day after delivering his original controversial speech about Murphy Brown and the role of television, Dan Quayle returned again to the Commonwealth Club of California. This time, Dan Quayle was running for president. I will do my very best and attempt to make this speech as interesting and as provocative as the speech was in May of 1992. He didn't mention Murphy Brown specifically. Instead, he went after lawyers. Some observers suggested Dan Quayle had shifted targets from Murphy Brown to Ally McBeal. In fulfilling its cultural agenda, the legal aristocracy, it has not worked alone. It's been aided by a willing and compliant news media and an entertainment community that transmits counterculture values. It will take courage to challenge this self-anointed, powerful group. These aristocrats believe the rest of us should just follow their lead and sit by as our culture continues to decline. They don't have to live with cultural chaos the way that the rest of America does. They live in gated communities and send their children to private, expensive schools. This is their world, but folks, this is not the real world. And a historical footnote. During its original 11-season run on CBS from 1988 through 1998, Murphy Brown was nominated for an Emmy Award 62 times. The show won an Emmy 18 times. As for the Bush-Quayle re-election campaign, you know the result. It lost to Clinton-Gore. But not before Dan Quayle made this joke to radio talk show hosts on June 19, 1992, exactly one month after he began the culture war over Murphy Brown. Actually, I'm a little envious of Murphy Brown. At least she's guaranteed of coming back this fall. <laughs> and now, a bonus clip. In early September 1992, Dan Quayle was in Los Angeles. That's right, Hollywood and answered questions for an hour on the KTLA Morning News. He then agreed to tape this unscripted, his own reaction, promo spot. Everyone loves Murphy Brown. What is your favorite television program? Murphy Brown on Channel 5. Not. Not. <laughs> well, almost everyone. Murphy Brown, weeknights at 7, starting Monday on Channel 5. That's it for this episode of C-SPAN's The Weekly. A reminder, you can do your own searches in the C-SPAN video library. Just go to cspan.org and use the search bar on top. There's so much more politics in Hollywood you can find, and maybe an actor or two who became a politician. Thanks for listening, and happy searching. <laughs>